the search engine has something called core web vitals now. And basically what that means is it's indicators to Google from your website that it is either a good website or a bad website. And things that go into these indicators are page speed, user experience, bounce rate, like how long someone's actually on the website before they click off. And basically just overall, how interesting is the website to the person searching it? And Google looks at this and basically says, if someone is on this website for 10 minutes, they have a good experience and it's exactly what they were searching for. Let's put that higher up because it's more relevant to other people searching for that thing. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real, simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. If you wondered about using ads or digital marketing to get more sales for your business, then this is the podcast for you. Today, we're talking to Eric Rabello, the founder of a digital business development firm that builds sales and marketing growth systems for service-based businesses. He does this all by using online advertising, SEO, conversion websites, and media. If you're wondering how to leverage any of those things, listen on. I ask Eric how to break it down. What is digital marketing? What we need to know if we're considering using it for our business or consider using it even more. I even throw in our very own Multiply Me client and dear friend Michael as an example of how someone like him with a brick and mortar business can use digital marketing to increase sales. We cover everything from ads, what copy and creative is, how much easier this makes sales, and why we will be left in the dust if our companies aren't using it. Let's get into it. Eric, thank you so much for joining us at Pivot Me today. Hey, how's it going? I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. So Eric, let's start here. I know kind of the story about when you shifted into the space, but talk to me about what you do today and who your clients typically look like. Yeah. So basically what we do today is we help service-based businesses that usually have a higher customer value, just means they have a higher profit margin per sale. And we help them do advertising on like Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Google. We get them a bunch of traffic. We send it to their website and landing pages and help basically do their website and landing pages so that they convert more leads. Then on the back end with email and text follow-up, we help them kind of convert those leads or try and get those leads on a phone call. And then the last thing we help with is kind of the sales training piece where once they actually get on the phone, what do they do from that point? So we give them some scripts and questions to ask and all that type of stuff to try and help close the lead. So kind of from beginning to end of customer acquisition, we try to help the best we can. Sure. So it's a lot more than just getting the leads. So it's not yeah. just, Hey, I'm going to put leads because if you put it into a broken funnel, doesn't really convert into sales, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like we see that happen 
kind of a lot where business owners have tried Facebook ads, they've tried Instagram ads, they've tried Google ads, and they say it doesn't work. And it's like, well, there's lots of competitors in your market that are doing it. It is working. So what is the pivot that they need to make in order for it to work? And it usually comes down to they need to reposition their offer. They need to change up their pages. There's something in the system that is causing an error to where there's not getting enough throughput. So that's what we try to help with. Yeah. And pivoters, as you're listening to this here, Eric did not mention about the quality of your product or service about the customer service. None of that as business owners, we tend to go to, but I have a really good product, but we have really great customer service. We have a good onboarding process. He didn't mention any of that. We're talking about just courting, just the first date. If they don't go on the date with you, you don't get to impress them with your product and service. So Eric, I want to get right into it. So if we've got a pivoter that's listening, we'll do one that we work with right now. So Michael Torres, he runs a roofing business out of Florida and he kind of has maybe the traditional approach to business. It's worked really, really well for him. But let's say he wants to scale and he doesn't want to put more sales guys out or more referral programs out. He wants to lean into this digital space. What's the first thing Michael needs to do? So he needs to make sure that he's selling something that people actually want, right? So your offer is extremely important of the best example or metaphor I can give is if a gym has an ad and they put it in your face and they basically say, hey, if you come to our gym, we'll give you 5% off. No one cares. No one really wants that. So you have to have some type of offer that when you put it out there, it's understanding the customer's problem and they actually desire it. <laughs> and it just makes selling it a lot easier. Notice that Eric said what they want, not what they need. A lot of us make a mistake of going, well, this is what they really need. Well, people need lots of things, but that's not what they want. So please go ahead. I just want to point out want, not need. Yeah, it's basically selling the candy but then giving them the vitamins. That's basically what I like to think about. When you do that, you're going to have a lot more people coming in because you're kind of playing to human psychology. Humans are humans. They're always going to work the same, which is most people, I think it's like 70% are emotional buyers as opposed to logical buyers. I myself fall in the category of the 30%, which is like the more logical buyers. But most people, if you kind of hit them with a mix of like, here's the results and outcomes that you're going to get from our service. And then also kind of here's the storytelling that helps you understand what we do and how it's relevant to you. And you combine those, they are now problem aware of whatever there is they're trying to solve. And then now they see a solution to the problem. So they're going to come to you in crowds because whatever you're trying to solve is hopefully a big problem that people need urgently and you know all that type of stuff. But it's just getting your offer on point to where people understand it, your client feels understood. And then now they're going to get want to get on the phone with you and basically help get educated on whatever your service is. So once they have that offer down, then it goes into traffic and converting on the landing pages and the backend systems and all that other stuff. But first thing you need to get on point is just make sure your offer is good and it's compelling in some way. Sure. Okay. So give them what they want, make it compelling. Like, Hey, this is important. This is why you want it. You're telling a story. Storytelling is a great way to educate people and to bake in the emotion as well. Many people are emotional buyers. Love this. So once you make that offer, once they're like, yeah, you know what? I do want what he's selling. What happens then? Yeah. So usually what happens is they end up clicking on your ad. Cause that's like the first step is they see something, they click on it. Now, when they actually get to your website or landing page, a lot of business owners make the mistake of not having a congruent marketing message along the entire point. Basically, your client is clicking an ad for one message and they get to your page and then they're, you're using different language. There's different imagery. There's too much stuff all over your website. It needs, you know, it's not simple and minimal enough. 
and it doesn't have one kind of like clear call to action. It's just all over the place. So if you can simplify and basically make your website as minimal as possible, still making it look good, but you have one clear message because your headline, the great copywriter, Dan Kennedy said the fact 80 cents of the dollar that you're spending when they actually get to your landing page is spent on the headline. So if your headline isn't good, then people aren't going to continue to read the page or even scroll down at all. And there's a thing called above the fold or your viewport of when you actually get to your website or landing page, the first thing that they see either on their desktop or on mobile, if that isn't good, people are just going to click off. If it doesn't basically make them want to continue to be on that page, they're just going to leave because people have options nowadays. They can go back to Facebook or go back to Instagram, keep scrolling and get stimulus for something else. And you need to make sure that you're the best stimulus in that moment. So when they actually get to the page, headline needs to be super good. And then the clear call to action of what they get. There's a lot of business owners that just say, hey, get on a call with me. Well, why? Like, what are you going to do? Like, what's the call about? Like, no one really knows, right? So if you can position your consultation call as this piece of value that you are not charging for, but they actually get value on it and they don't even need to buy your service and they still get value on the call, what are people going to do at the end of that call? They're going to want to buy your service because you've got on the call with them for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long your, your call is, your consultation, you've educated them on, you know, ask them a bunch of questions. You've made closing statements, you've handled objections. And then by the end of it, they say, okay, this person understands my problem. We've talked about it. They've educated me. I now get that they can help me solve it. I'm going to either move forward or not. Right. But people are too scared to just give that out because they're like, oh, but what if they go with someone else? You have to understand when you're giving the strategy, you're the best person to do the execution and implementation because it's your strategy. So, you know what I mean? Like if a roofer, right, gets on a call and basically says, hey, like how much are you going to trust a roofer that gets on a call and says, hey, most people in this situation would try and sell you this $15,000, $20,000 new roof, but we can actually patch it up for a thousand bucks. And I know that, and that's the best thing that you're going to need to do for the next one, two years. And then maybe two years from now, we need to do a new roof. But in the moment, we're going to help you with that because we're trying to build a relationship with you. If that happened to me on a call, I would instantly buy from that person because I know everybody else in that marketplace is trying to optimize for the front end, get as much money as possible. And they're not trying to really help me. And that's kind of where we're at in 2021 is like buyers are entitled to getting the best thing, the fastest, <laughs> they get more and sometimes the cheapest, right? But business owners don't want to race to the bottom to try and be the cheapest. So usually handle the first three, but all that stuff is extremely important nowadays. And I feel like buyer cycles and all these things are changing so much and business owners haven't yet adapted, but all that stuff is necessary nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just get really specific again, if someone's not leveraging digital marketing right now or not leveraging it enough. So again, headline, kind of the, the catchy saying that's going to bring them in, right? Like maybe it's, you don't need to replace your roof yet. I'll tell you why, or you won't need to replace your roof for the rest of your life. Something like that. Obviously that's gotta be a massage, but something that's like, Ooh, I like that. And it's enough for them to click or get involved. Then when you're saying about getting on a call and adding value in the roofing space, I'm not really familiar with it, but let's just say it's like, hey, we'll talk you through the specific engineering of your roof to see if it even needs to be replaced. 
was valuable. Engineering. I don't know engineering. This should be good. And the other thing I'll add is when you were saying they're going to feel like the most qualified person to handle it, there's also this weird thing that happens in psychology, right? Where like when you help somebody out, there's like this reciprocity that they're like, oh, you took care of me. Now I'm going to take care of you. And that can look like either them doing business with you or referrals. How many times are they going to tell the story? Yeah, I talked to XYZ roofing contractor out of Florida. They could have sold me a $15,000 roof. I would have probably gone for it because I don't know. But instead it was a thousand dollar patch job. You should call those guys. So these are all the ways that we're leveraging both business today and business for the future. Exactly. Yeah. Let's say the situation isn't that they have to do the thousand dollar patch up and it's good to go. And they do have to sell them the $15,000 roof. At least your intentions are in the right place of actually trying to help clients. And the client can feel that they can feel that through the call, especially now most of these calls are either on FaceTime or zoom or something like that. They can see that you're actually trying to add value to them and not just trying to take something. And they're going to go with you regardless because 2021 has moved these things to where let's say 50 years ago, you could go to a used car dealership, right? And like you basically are the buyers were uneducated at that point. You're uninformed, I should say. In the past 50 years, now that we have Google and all these things, I think the statistic is 60 to 70% of the buying decision is actually made before they even get on the call with you. So they're going to do all the research. They're going to look at your website. They're going to look at your competitors. They look at your reviews. They look at everything. Then finally, they get on the call with you and your job is just to push them over that 30 to 40% to want to do it with you. Eric, I'm so glad you said that stat. So hear that 60 to 70% of their decision has already been made by the time they get on the call with you, which means that if you don't have the right digital presence, they never get on that call with you because that's how business is done right now. So for anyone that's like, "Eh, how much does it really matter? Oh, it matters because the phone won't ring without that. I was called digital footprint. So when I work with, you know, thought leaders and and a lot of industry experts, I'm like, what's your digital footprint look like? Because that's where someone's going to go first. And that will dictate whether the phone call or the email goes over. So I'm really glad that you said that statistics because it's scary if you don't have the right digital footprint, but it's amazing if you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, if business owners can really sit down and even if they're not experts in the space, really simplify it to traffic and getting attention from somewhere and then converting that traffic on something, which is your website or landing page. Because you have to think about like how you buy something, right? When you are interested in something, you might fill out your information, but you still need some more to really kind of sell you on the idea of getting the call. So then in emails and texts, you can send them videos, you can send them educational articles or whatever you want to send them in these email and texts because emails have like a 20% open rate right now, but it's still like really great to do because it's like a standard way of communication. Texting has like a 70% open rate. So those are really going to get opened and get a lot of attention to those things. Then when the person has all this kind of stuff figured out, they'll get on the call with you and kind of figure it out. But let's kind of go back because you said the first thing they need is the offer, but then let's talk about the ads. So the ads, a lot of business owners do advertising incorrectly because I almost feel like they're too scared to really push out their marketing message and be, I guess, intense with it. You know what I mean? Like the copywriting that's within your ads, which is basically the text in your ads needs to be eye-catching and basically grab someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like really get them to pay attention and business owners want to be too kind of vanilla and fluffy about it. And it's just not working nowadays because you have to think about When someone is on Facebook, there's cat videos, there's all these different things that they could be paying attention to. You're competing with all of them. 
yeah, and they're fantastic. They're awesome videos, <laughs> but you know that you have to get them to pay attention to you. And it's like, and you're getting less real estate in Facebook by the day, it seems like to where now you only have three lines of text to really get someone to click read more and read the rest of it. So like your marketing message has to be dialed in and you have to understand your prospect or your customer better than like any of your competitors. There's compliance issues with Facebook right now and they're constantly updating policies. But usually the, the format that I like to follow is get attention or acknowledge who you're talking to, basically call them out, then bring up their problem or agitate whatever thing that they have that's going on, bring up proof and testimonials, talk about your solution and in, in results and outcomes, not features and benefits, then a strong call to action. And only one, like some people try to have multiple different calls to action. You can do the same call to action multiple times, but you don't need to have two of them. It just confuses. You only have, have one thing. And confused buyers do not purchase. Exactly. Right. Then when it comes to your creative, it needs to also be eye-catching because usually what happens is people are scrolling. They see the, the creative first, and then that gets them to read the text. Can you tell them what the creative is? Oh yeah. Creative is basically the picture or video that you're displaying in your advertisement that gets people's attention, right? Videos tend to work better than photos in a lot of markets, just because there's more you can do with it and you can educate them in the ads and they can see you and all these different things rather than just an image. But you know, you got to work with what you got. But for example, like psychology is so important in marketing. And I feel like people try to avoid that for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but when it comes to Facebook, you have to look at the platform. It's very blue. There's blue, white, all these different things. And like if you use the color red in your Facebook ads, it gets a lot of attention. You just see the click-through rates go up because it's different than everything else that's going on. If you take that principle and that concept and just apply it to everything, it's like now I'm starting to understand I can use human psychology to try and make my funnel and my system better. So that's kind of like one of the things that we try to focus on is how can we basically take human psychology and understand it and do that rather than just kind of being vanilla about things. And that leads to higher conversion rates and all that type of stuff. But yeah, for your ad, if you're wondering what numbers to focus on, at least for your advertising, click-through rate is really important. Basically just means if hundred people see your ad and one person clicks on it, you have a 1% click-through rate. That's pretty industry average for across the board. You do want to have a higher than 1%, but click-through rate is pretty important. Cost per lead. So when someone actually gets to your website, how much does it cost per lead? Cost per acquisition of like when they actually turn into a customer. But the big one, at least just for the ad portion is impressions, which is basically how many people view your ad versus how many people click on it. If it's above 1%, you're doing pretty decent. And that's, yeah, we'll just leave it at that, that, that for the ad portion right now. Sure. One thing I want to talk about, Eric, that what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between the people that are really familiar with the digital marketing space and business owners that have been getting some success, but aren't leveraging it or aren't leveraging it to its capacity. One thing I want to point out is that when you're saying business owners tend to want to be vanilla in their ads, here's the important part. An ad isn't your website. It's not a marketing flyer. They're different. So websites tend to be, at least they were, we tend to write them based off of features and benefits. When we presented in sales, we tended to present in that way. That is not the way that it's done now. That is not the way that ads are done. And so there needs to be this consistency. You can't have it incongruent between your ad looking completely, you know, all black and white imagery and your website doesn't look like that, or that's an extreme example. There's got to be this consistency through them, but the ad it's got to be better than the website. It's got to be sexier than a marketing flyer. And I think business owners tend to want it to be like, wow, we'll just say about like, oh, the best shop in town. Well, 
it needs to be something more than that. So, you know, get out on the edge of what you think is going to work with the ad. And this is a great time to talk to somebody else that this is their world. Like, yeah, this doesn't work. That creative, that imagery won't work or that copy the language. That's not going to work. We've got to massage this. We've got to add value right at the beginning. I have a friend that always says, save the best for first. A lot of us were like, oh, we're going to sink it in at the very end. No, 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 no. Nobody gets to the bottom. You're competing with the cat videos. You got to get to the very top and add the value right away. So they're like, oh, yep, that's me. I'm going to click on that. I'm going to do the see more so I can see the rest of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like to slightly go back to where, you know, they want to be vanilla and just say the best shop in town. You have to realize people are so hesitant because they've been burned in the past by a bunch of different industries. So when you say you're the best shop in town or whatever it is, they don't believe you. People are inherently nowadays, again, buyers have changed because of the access to information. There's this entitlement. And I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. I just mean they are entitled to information and options and transparency because if you don't do it, someone else will. Because they can scour the entire internet to try and find the best solution that they think is the best solution, right? So you either get with the program or you're just going to fall behind because if you're transparent, you're doing business with integrity, you actually add tons of value, you're getting results for your clients and whatever service it is, then you're going to win because some other people aren't willing to do that because they're trying to hide behind a bland marketing message or whatever. And it's not going to get the attention. So it's this kind of survival of the fittest natural selection type of thing that's happening in marketing right now to where like even companies like Amazon and like all these like larger corporations are starting to take advantage of things like that. They're using these ads and putting them out and just kind of monopolizing the market through like a lot of e-commerce stores, even like that's not really like my specialty and not what we're talking about here, but e-commerce stores are just falling by the wayside because Amazon is such a Goliath that it's just found all these operational efficiencies to kind of get rid of them. So, you know, it's kind of a dark way to think about it, but like you want to be the best possible business and be better than your competitors in every single way you can, because mediocrity isn't really acceptable anymore when it comes to really scaling your business. Like you can have kind of plateaus or growing a little bit, but if you really want to scale, you got to get uncomfortable, you know what I mean? And really put it out there. Yeah, you do. Eric, who is this strategy right for? So we happen to mention a roofing business. We mentioned a couple other businesses. Who's it right for? Who is it not right for? So, I mean, the overall marketing principles I'd say are right for everybody, but usually who we're talking with is businesses that need to get leads and then get on the phone or some type of call with those leads and then turn them into a sale, which is the majority of service-based business owners. I don't really handle anything with like e-commerce or product businesses necessarily, unless it's some type of product that fits into like a service. Like it's all based around service-based stuff, which I feel like is the majority of businesses. So like lawyers, chiropractors, dentists, plastic surgeons, B2B technology company, like literally anything that sells a service. That's kind of who we're talking about. And yeah, so if you can just focus on kind of getting your system right, then it'll work out really well. Getting your marketing messages is so important because people are not really focused on that right now. They're just putting up an ad that says 10% off and or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It doesn't really convert. So the 10% off ads don't convert. We're definitely getting that message, right? <laughs> like, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do the 10% off or 5% off for the gyms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and gyms too. Like our kind of industries that we work with, healthcare, B2B tech, legal, and home services are like really big for the stuff that we do. And we've helped others as well, but that seems to be kind of like the meat of where the majority of our clients come in. But yeah, so we talked about the offer. 
we talked about the ads. When it comes to the website, this is something that some business owners struggle to update because they're like, I've had my website since 2005. It's amazing. I spent a bunch of money. My friend made it, you know, whatever. They have all yeah. these kind of excuses. And you need to update your site for or landing page or whatever it is for right now. And how you do that is, again, the idea that everybody has so much stimulus right now. And stimulus just means like stuff, just like they have so much as a side note, anxiety and all these different things are through the roof because we have so much stuff happening all the time that it's too much for our brains to handle. And you need to be empathetic with that and realize when someone gets to your website, it needs to be the simplest, most kind of minimal thing that still looks good. Because if you have one clear marketing message, some imagery and a strong call to action, that's all they want to see. They don't want to see all these different tabs and colors and craziness all over your website because it's just too much. It'll basically give people anxiety and they'll click off. So when you make your website, have a clear navigation and try and limit that as much as possible. Don't have 50 different tabs in there of like all the different things you do. Have some drop down menus, consolidate that, make it easy to look at. Your headline or your call to action, the format we tend to follow is usually on the left because people read from left to right. So your ads also kind of have to have this of if you have any text on your photos and videos, whenever you're doing advertisements, have them on the left because it's just easier for people to read. And that's how at least English speakers, they scan from left to right. So it's just easier. So on your website, do the same thing. Have some imagery or video, explain what you do, keep it to like two to three minutes. The video also should have a hook at the beginning. So like within the first two to three seconds, get their attention. It's all TikTok culture, right? Like if you look at what's popular right now with like Instagram reels and TikTok, if those videos don't hook you in the first two seconds, you're not watching it. So use that methodology for your entire business. Then your call to action, clearly define what the person gets. And let's touch on that a little bit because people are so inherently selfish. And I don't say that in a bad way. I just mean they want what they want and they want it basically, like I said, more, better, faster. Clearly talk about the result that they get and not the features and benefits. Like, cause you were saying earlier, it's just not as effective anymore. Like people don't care what the feature benefit is. They care what they get out of it. And like, if you just think what's in it for me and you just come from that point from your, you know, your client's perspective, yep. so much easier to write marketing material because then you stop talking about yourself. You stop saying we're the best shop in town and you prove it and you demonstrate it through case studies and testimonials, through storytelling, through imagery, all these different things. Just show them, don't tell them. I love that point. It's so important. And the, I love the WIFM principle. It's definitely run what's in it for me is definitely how you, you train salespeople that way too. Like don't start presenting about what you do and who you are and how long you've been doing it. Nobody cares about that. All they care about is what can you do for me? And if you present that upfront and they know that you authentically care, then they'll listen Then they'll give you the time. And then hopefully a business arrangement can come out of it. I love that you were saying you've got to put the focus on them. You've got to make them the hero of the journey, right? And we have to make the mistake where we're like, well, I've been in business for 12 years and I, this, I, I, if it's starting with I, I, or we, we, it's not about them versus here's what our clients are saying. Here's what we did for this last client. This is what we did last week. This is what we did last year. People want to know what you can do for me. And whether you're in business for 20 years or 29 years, doesn't matter anymore. That used to matter more. It doesn't matter now. And so really tailoring that message to what's relevant today. And I love when you said, 
our website's been around for this long and my friend made it. I'm like, oh God, you hear that all the time. If your website's been along around that long, you absolutely need to change it. Like the SEO is bad. You, you got to do it all. You got to change it all. Don't get attached to what you created once. It served you then, but websites are in an iterative process. Make sure you're changing it for what your customers need today. Absolutely. And like slightly technical here, but I'm going to explain it. Google, the search engine, has something called core web vitals now. And basically what that means is it's indicators to Google from your website that it is either a good website or a bad website. And things that go into these indicators are page speed, user experience, bounce rate, like how long someone's actually on the website before they click off. And basically just overall, like how interesting is the website to the person searching it? And Google looks at this and basically says, if someone is on this website for 10 minutes, they have a good experience and it's exactly what they were searching for. Let's put that higher up because it's more relevant to other people searching for that thing. And if you have a website that is old or just kind of outdated or anything like that, most likely the people going to your website are not having the best experience they could possibly have. The page speed slash load speed of how long it takes to actually load. If it's under like one second, two seconds, like people just are like not patient enough to like deal with that. Right. So we try and optimize all of those different things. Our web development platform basically has the cleanest code we can pretty much come up with to make it extremely easy for Google's kind of little robots to like search through the website and make sure that it's good and it loads fast and it's clean. A lot of people using kind of WordPress and some of these things can't, WordPress is, is great. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it is kind of getting to a point where it can be clunky and outdated and just kind of hard to have all those different plugins communicate together and still have a fast load time. That's kind of the issue with WordPress right now is there's so much kind of clunkiness and code and stuff going on that you're jerry-rigging together that it ends up just taking way too much time to load and your SEO is, is dying. So our platform that we use is different. We build it in a pretty quick time frame in comparison to what some other websites on like WordPress are built in. And when we do that, because it's so clean and easy and minimal and simple, Google loves that and they will show it to more people. So even just the smallest things of going from three seconds to one second can increase your results like crazy and make your business and help your business basically scale. Right. And it's like, Business owners don't think of that usually because they're so focused on actually doing their business, whether they're a dentist or doing roofs or anything like that. They don't need to really know that for what their service delivery is, right? But if business owners can listen to podcasts, look up articles and kind of do maybe five minutes, 10 minutes of educating themselves on a daily basis on these different things, you look at like these like marketing news websites and stuff like that, you'll get to understand like, oh, wow, this can affect my business a lot. And if I was them, I would have a lot of hope because they're already here. Most business owners, you know what I mean? They're scaling like a bit, but once they find out all this stuff and they change their website around, they change their ads, they have their backend system dialed in and all these things and they update everything, they're going to grow a lot. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, most business owners should be excited by this information because they're already making $5 million in revenue. And now they know how they can get to 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever it is. Yeah. So pretty much if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're already head and shoulders in front of your competitor. So just doing this, you know, I think that it's so important to really appreciate. I love what you said about your Google rating and whether they'll show your website or not. Really conceptualize that. We're going to keep picking on Michael's business and we've taken your business and we've sort of made it into this like, 
like fake business at this point. But Michael's like, wait a second, we have a good Google ranking. So consider that you could be an amazing roofer. You could be amazing chiropractor, dentist, whatever it is. You could be amazing at your craft. But because your page, when they click on the page, it takes too long to load, Google doesn't show your page to someone. So when someone says best roofer in Florida, you may not come up because of that. And so a lot of us will invest time and energy into getting better at our craft. But if you have the cure for cancer, but it's sitting in your garage, it's not helping anybody. And so this is the way to say, oh, you've got a really good product. You've got the cure for cancer. This is the way you get it out to the marketplace. This is how you grab the megaphone and you tell the world about it. So this stuff really, really is important. And I love when you said, hey, this is really for anybody. Like if you're doing business, then this needs to be part of your strategy. It's inbound sales, but it's also this awareness of don't just spend all the time getting better on your craft. You've got to let the marketplace know who you are and If you're staying the same, if your digital footprint is the same, it's actually getting worse every year. If it's not growing, it's dying. And definitely at the speed in which this stuff is changing, we've got to stay, if not on the cutting edge, pretty damn close. Yeah, I'll coin this term right now. I'll call it marketing inflation, (laughs) where basically- Over time, if you're not growing, you're dying, like you just said. And it's like inflation where you have to keep up with what's going on or you're going to fall behind in your business Let's because inflation money, it ends up being less over time, right? So you need to get with the program. Only 3% of speakers, podcasters, and authors make enough money to do it as a full-time career. 3%, man, that's bad. I came from the big business world, and if I wanted to scale my speaking career and release courses, I knew I needed more than just case studies and metrics. I actually needed a personal brand. Brand Builders Group is a personal brand strategy firm for thought leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs, and they work with some of the biggest names. They help clarify your message, expand reach, and increase revenue while monetizing your personal brand. I still do their monthly consulting package, but I've also done their workshops, webinars. They're all great. Don't be part of the 97% who can't afford to do the work they love full time. Connect with the same team I hired to help me. Check them out at pivot-me.com backslash partners and get on their schedule for a free call. I want to go back to some business owners might be listening to this and get really overwhelmed by everything, right? I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by things. And I want to go back to the idea of there's really only four core tenants of what we're talking about. Now, each of those things does break into more detail, but your ads and basically paid media on getting traffic, right? There's only a couple things you really need to do. Like an eight, like I like to follow the 80-20 rule. If you and if anybody's ever heard of that, 80-20 rule by Richard Coach, which is basically 20% of the things you're doing get 80% of the results. So you might not have 100% optimized in every little thing, but probably in the next month or two, you can get most of these things optimized to where your ads, there's a few key things that you really need to focus on. Your headline, your offer, and scroll stopping creative. Like just get their attention. You know what I mean? That's pretty much it. So if you can get those down, you're good. On your website, simplifying and making it minimal, not even getting rid of things, but just basically making it easier to consume, right? So like I said, instead of having a bunch of tabs, consolidate that into some drop-down menus and stuff. So when you look at it, it's just easier to read. Again, headline, you need to have a stronger call to action because the point of the website is to convert to a lead, right? But the point of the, the ad is to get the click. 
So the click needs a headline and, and pro stopping imagery, but then the website needs a, like a very strong call to action to get someone to actually fill out their information. Really all you need to focus on for that. Then when you actually get to a, like, you know, a lead has been created, emails and texts, it's all you need to focus on and just send them educational information. And I'd say 75% of the stuff that you send through email and text should be value and positivity and like, you know, basically putting goodwill into your market. Then the other 25%, you ask for something, which is, Hey, get on a call with us. Hey, call our team. Hey, get on a zoom call, something like that. So it's like, if you just focus on that, you're good. Then when you actually get on the call, I like to define it as questions, closing statements and handling objections. So business owners kind of have a problem with sales because of the whole used car salesman thing. And they think that, oh, sales is kind of like a thing that I don't want to be too salesy. And they use all these kind of words. And I totally agree. You don't want to be salesy, but you are guiding the prospect to become a customer. That's pretty much it. You're guiding them to some type of decision and whether it's good or, you know, yes or no, it doesn't really matter. It's just, you're helping them get there. So when you're asking questions, instead of trying to push something on them, that gets them to come to their own conclusion of wanting to get your service. And you just have to make sure you ask good questions. Then when you've kind of gathered all this information and then you make a closing statement of, okay, so would you like to move forward today? Or would you like to move forward next week? You know what I mean? Like something like that, some type of assumptive closing statement. Then instead of asking for the sale, it's kind of, again, guiding them and like moving towards this thing. And they'll either come up with an objection or move forward, right? Then when it comes to objections, let's be real. Most business owners know the seven to nine objections they get on a daily basis from their salespeople. If you write those out and you make a clear two to three sentence script to kind of overcome those or re-explain those or whatever it is for your salespeople, then it's going to be a lot easier to overcome those objections. And like I said, there's really only seven to nine probably objections that you're getting. They're like the big ones. Everything fits into one of those categories. So as long as you have a script to overcome that, you'll be good too. But I know it sounded like a lot, but each of those things only only has like three or four things you need to focus on that you can do in the next month or two that will help your business scale a lot. Yeah. I love that you broke it down like that, Eric. And, and what you just said about having the script for the seven plus objections that you get, that's gold. So I've trained sales teams for years and we would outline how people say no, and then what do we say? And it's not so we can repeat an answer with rote memorization. It's so you're prepared to navigate those situations. And it's really just, I'd argue it's probably less than seven. It's probably three and then a little bit of iterations in each one of those three. But being able to handle those is so, so important. And the thing I'll point out is when people say, about, like, I don't want to be too salesy, they're under the assumption that a salesperson is selling something to someone that they don't need. And does that happen? Yeah. You mentioned the used car salesman, like, you know, they always get a bad rap, but okay. Maybe it's selling someone that something that they didn't really need, but sales has also changed today and it's really solving problems. And if you believe in your product and you believe in your service, you believe it actually does the thing you say that it does, you're providing a solution. Really all you're trying to figure out is if they're the right person for the solution. It's not, I got to push my product on someone and they don't need it that's unethical. We shouldn't be doing that to begin with. But if it's, Hey, they have a problem and I can solve it. That's powerful. And we owe it to our clients. We owe it to the marketplace to do that very thing. That's not being salesy. That's providing a solution. Absolutely. And like, you got to think about too, they're coming to you. Like this is inbound marketing that we're talking about manual. They got a problem. 
They got a problem they need solved. <laughs> yeah. Like manual outbound marketing is, is a little bit different. There's a different way you have to go about it. But like, yeah, like you said, they, they have a problem. They're coming in. They became a lead and now they're on the phone with you. They want what you have. There is no salesiness. It's just, like I said, guiding them to a decision. Now, another game changer that I just thought to bring up that'd be really important is I said like seven to nine objections. There's a range here. You know I mean, of all the different things, but if you take those and then you now translate that all the way back to the beginning of the funnel where your marketing message now just handles those objections before they even get on the phone or your website does or whatever. An objection that you would get that's like a standard one is how can I trust you that you will do the service or whatever. And it's like if at the beginning of your marketing, you can talk about your testimonials and reviews and what you've done. And here's a clear case study of like what results we've gotten. And on the website, you have video testimonials. By the time they get on the phone with you, that objection is probably going to be gone. Or if they do bring it up, you can just be like, Hey, remember those videos you saw in our ads? Like those are real customers. And then they go, okay. And the objection's done. So it's just 80, 20 in that as well of just doing the small amount of things that will get you a lot of impact. So true. We used to do this in business advising in the past where a business advising package might have a very large price tag to it. All right, here's the proposal. And you can kind of pre-answer the question about like, oh, that's a lot of money. Am I really going to get my money's worth? We'll go back and go, okay, look at the clients we've worked with and how many people got their money back within six months. Once you got that number. So for example, let's just say it was 92%. If you can start with 92% of the clients that we work with make back this money and more, their investment and more within six months, you've just pre-answered. Now you might occasionally get that question, but that's really, really powerful. And, and that's regardless of your industry, roofing, chiropractic, all of those still apply. Eric, I want to pivot for a second here. You really like this topic. What do you love about it? How did you end up here? Yeah, no, I ended up in marketing and media because when I was young, actually, I started out with making like photos and videos just because I thought it was a fun, creative thing for me to do. I was never good at like drawing or art or anything like that. So ended up making photos and videos and I thought it was fun. And after that, you know, I spent years on that and I have always also been interested in like psychology and how people work and finding out just different things about people because it helped me better understand myself. And when I would talk with other people, I would always wonder, oh, you know, why is that person doing that thing or whatever? And it all just comes back usually to human psychology. So it always interested me a lot of how people work. Then I, I'll just briefly go over it of basically I had a job and I was going to college and I dropped out of college. I switched my major from computer science to business and then business. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention in class because I was researching other things on my laptop and trying to figure out some new marketing thing that I thought was interesting, even though I wasn't even really doing it yet. I just was really interested in it. And then when I dropped out of college, because some of the people in my life convinced me to do so, because I kept telling them over and over of like, I don't want to be here. This isn't necessarily helping me in my position. I finally did that. Then I had my job and I was doing pretty well. I was just a manager for retail location and making pretty decent money for my age, like more than most of my friends. And what happened at that time was I had a new manager come in and this manager was not the best. The manager I had before, I had him for like three years and he was fantastic. And he was a true leader. You know what I mean? Like he was someone that actually led instead of just told people what to do. Like he would lead by example. And he was a really good guy. Like I respected him a lot. Then this new guy came in and he was not really a great leader at all. He was trying to lead out of fear rather than respect. And obviously that never works. So what happened literally within two weeks, this guy, I started writing me up for just random things. And on the third 
third write-up, you get fired, right? And I've never been written up in like the three, four years I was there. So I was like, okay, this is obviously something's going wrong here. So I just left and I basically just said, hey, we'd rather not work here. And then I was kind of out on my own. So I had really nothing. I didn't have I didn't have college. I didn't have a job and I had to figure out something to do. Friends and family have told me like, oh, maybe you should start a business or something around marketing or media or whatever, or take videos for people or something. And I was like, huh, so I've always been interested in this. Let me try it. So I started out thinking like, okay, what's going to help get businesses results that I know about? So I was talking, you know, thinking about ads and I like to make websites and things. So I'm like, let me do that. So I go out to uh, you know my network and stuff like that. And I got a couple clients uh, that I worked with for free where I did their advertising. I did their social media management, which we don't do anymore. And then I did their websites and like all that different stuff. I did everything. <laughs> and it was really too much. I, I did a lot more than we, we really just focus on the core tenants. Now we were doing all sorts of stuff, but the difference that, that happened with me at that point was I worked for free for them for nine months. And it's usually a lot longer than most people were worked for free because I wanted to be extremely confident in the results that I bring. Then at the end of the nine months, I asked them to start a paid agreement with me. And they told me the results they were actually getting. They showed me on the back end, hey, yeah, we made this many sales. We're getting these reviews, all that type of stuff. And I was really happy with the results. So then we started paid agreements and, you know, just kind of went from there over time, just kind of narrowed it down to, okay, the things that get my clients the most results are ads, their websites, backend follow-up and closing the deals. So let's just focus on that. And we just niche down to that. And then it came to, we were working with every single type of business we could think of, narrowed it down to healthcare, B2B tech, legal, and home services. We still help other ones, but that seems to be our core like niches. It all just came from being able to go out on the limb and just try something and be uncomfortable. Because at that time, I, like I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. So I knew nothing about profit and loss statements, about contracts, about just anything accounting, like any of that. So I had to learn it all myself and it was really tough. And it's probably one of the toughest things I've ever done is really understanding everything because my personality type, I'm pretty analytical and everything. So I like to know about everything before I kind of dive into it. So it took a lot of time, but ended up paying off. And I love what I do more than anything. Can't really see myself doing anything else. It's a pretty big shift. I mean, you made quite a few pivots along the way. At any point, did you kind of get up in your head about it? Like, well, what if this doesn't work? And I've had a couple of false starts here. I mean, that usually goes along with us making pivots. Or were you like, nope, what I'm going to do is going to work out. And if it doesn't, I'll find another one. Yeah. I mean, I think as a business owner, we all have doubts and things like that. Because if you really think about business, you have to adapt to grow in your business, but then also in your personal life. And every single time that happens, like even going from a hundred thousand a year to a $200,000 a year, it's like, you, it takes a major mental shift to really do that. Because I think it was in like the Napoleon Hill book where it kind of talks about, I forget exactly what he says, but it's kind of like this, this threshold where you go past this threshold and it's kind of like a success barrier and like you have a success floor and a success ceiling, I think, or something like that. And it's like, once you get through that, you will psychologically find a way to get back to whatever that is. Or, you know, if you're below it, then you'll go up, right? You have to constantly be shifting that. And that takes so much like awareness of what's going on and so much of paying attention to what's going on in your head. And that's why I'm so thankful for the psychology research that I've done about people and, and it helps in marketing, but it also helps with myself and managing my own emotions, managing 
my growth and all that type of stuff. And it's helped me a lot. So there's been a lot of pivots, but ultimately I still know what my ultimate goal is. But in the short term, yeah, I always have kind of these doubts and type of stuff just because my psychology and my, my brain, my DNA is trying to keep me safe, but it doesn't understand that I'm trying to get somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to get past it. No, I love it. I love it. I definitely heard a lot of books and I'll say mentors that maybe we don't know, authors and things like that got you through that. How about peer group? Did you have a peer group that's like, yeah, let's go ahead and do this? Because usually when we're kind of stepping up and stepping away, people will doubt us or like, hey, is this good enough? You already had a good job. Did you get any of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the tough part about growing a business too is, yeah, no one really believes in you at the beginning until you actually do anything. So you can't really blame them because they don't have any reference to like, you know, what to believe, right? So for me, yes, I had to turn to my friends that were in business. One of my mentors has a company that's similar to mine in a different space, but he's one of my good friends and I get a lot of information and mentorship from him. I've read a lot of books. I am always on Audible listening to things. I'm constantly trying to fill my head with information that helps me because whatever you consume, you become, right? So like after you consume all this information, it's like it's changing your identity by like osmosis, right? There was actually a long time at the beginning where I had, yeah, like my friends and stuff, but I didn't have necessarily like a large peer group, like a mastermind or anything. And that would have helped me so much, but I actually did find one. It only lasted about a year. And then like the, the group kind of like broke up and we still talk and stuff like that, but there's no like set meetings and stuff anymore after the whole pandemic thing that happened. So it kind of got tough there, but I met so many people in that group that were doing big things way bigger than me that inspired me and kind of opened up my mind and my, my perceptions. And just talking with them and being able to like exchange value in different areas of teaching them some marketing stuff. And then they teach, teach me some business operation stuff or whatever. It's been really helpful, but peer group is super, super important because humans are tribal beings. So I've gained a lot from it. We really are. So we run masterminds here at Pivot Me. We have for years and years and years, and they're amazing. And a big part, people always, it's funny, I say people come for a skill set, but they stay for mindset. They're like, well, I really want to up my sales game or I want to scale my business. Most of them are entrepreneurs. We've, we definitely have some corporate people in there that are listening right now, I know. But it's interesting because they, I wouldn't say undervalue, but they don't appreciate how much community actually matters. They've sort of gone their, on their own path for so long that they forgot what it's like to actually have a team around you that's supporting you, that doesn't have a dog in the fight, like whether your business succeeds or fails, this initiative succeeds or fails, it doesn't matter whether you successfully train for the marathon. I don't have to hear the alarm going off at 5 a.m. To have a team around you that isn't invested financially or emotionally in your outcome, but they just really want to see you succeed. And they're really going to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Hey, last time you sabotaged this way, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. It is invaluable. I always say I do a lot of business advising too, which I, I do love. I absolutely love that in high-performance coaching. The masterminds I run on Wednesday are the highlight of my week, hands down, because you see this magic happen when people come together, like, Hey, I'm leveling up. And one might be my 9am mastermind. We have a British hypnotherapist. That's one of the top rated podcasters. We have another gal that's running a nonprofit, another guy who runs a software company, an international software company, and then a lawyer and then a chemical engineer, but is also a fitness competitor. I mean, it's just, you get these varied backgrounds, but 
I share that to say we need a peer group. So whether that's the formal structure of a mastermind or just designing your peer group, we talk about the difference between a default and a design peer group, it will make it easier. Now, there are people that get ahead without it, but your path is so much easier when you have mentors and you have those cheerleaders that are like, yep, you got this. I don't know how, but you're going to get it because you have a hundred percent chance of surviving this because you've survived everything else you've been up to. It really is valuable and makes the journey so much more enjoyable. True. Just the fact of being able to bounce ideas off other people as entrepreneurs, we're almost like ADHD built in or something. You know what I mean? Most of them are. Yeah. And it's like just being able to bounce those ideas off and talk them out, that alone is kind of like business therapy. Like it's like it's it helps you <laughs> it's business kind of, therapy. Kind of like come to the conclusions that you need to be able to grow. And yeah, like it's uh, business owners, I feel like they avoid the whole personal development thing because they say, oh, like, you know, I don't need that. Most people do. They just say, oh, you know, I'm I'm fine where I'm at. But your business won't grow to the point that you want without kind of getting your personal life handled, in my opinion. So. Yep. And the other thing is the successes won't be as rich and the successes won't be as fulfilling. You can get to that sort of pinnacle of financial success or business success. But if you have not handled your backstory, if you haven't done the personal development work, A, there might not be people sitting next to you once you get there, or B, you will find it doesn't feel the way you thought it would feel. I've seen it so, so many times. It doesn't feel as fulfilling, but if you do the work, then you get to the pinnacle of success and you're like, this is amazing. And and I've got these people around me that get to celebrate it with me. That's such an important piece. Have you always been into personal development? Yes. From a very young age. And I think it just came out of the real desire to like get better. And I've been pretty good at like kind of putting my ego to the side my entire life and just kind of like, okay, let me learn from people who are already at the place that I want to be. And I don't know why I've always been good at that, but like just being kind of open-minded to that information is, has helped me a lot. And I think it's kind of this feedback loop of like, okay, I lower my ego, I get information from outside sources, and then all of a sudden I get positive results. And it's kind of like, okay, let me keep doing that. So it's a skill in of itself of kind of putting your ego to the side and letting other new information in that you might not even agree with in that current moment because you don't have the experience to back it up or whatever it is. Then you use that new information, helps you out a lot. It can be really beneficial. Yeah. I love this idea. We really do have to check our ego at the door, which is hard. And sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, ego can ride shotgun because we're like, oh, look at us. Look at this amazing business we created and we went out on our own. And and so it is an important reminder that we still have to check our ego because you cannot pour into a full cup. If we walk around being a full cup, we can't learn anything else. So that's hard. Like, all right, I got to learn some stuff. So I got to check this at the door. And then I need to be ready to be the student again. We've got one closing question, but before I ask that, Eric, where can people connect with you? Pretty much anywhere online. I have a website, ericrebello.com. Go on there and, you know, pretty much all my links are on there. YouTube podcast, like TikTok, Instagram, everything is just my name, just Eric Rebello, and have some content about marketing on there that can hopefully help you if you, you take it out or check it out. Absolutely. And we'll put the links in the show notes. So our final question, you ready for it? If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Good question. I think if people got clear and consistent, that would probably be really great for most people. And because I feel like a lot of people, when it comes to clarity of whatever their goal is or vision or anything like that, they almost, it's going to sound bad, but they like lie to themselves and they, they either shoot too low or they shoot almost like too high 
there was a thing where even I'm, I'm going to share this just about myself and I, haven't, I don't think I've shared this before, but with my personal brand, right? I was, oh, I want like a really good or really big personal brand with lots of subscribers, lots of whatever. And it's like, yeah, that'd be great. But I'm not trying to be a influencer person with like millions of followers and whatever that there's no, like, I'd rather just not do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I told myself for like a short period of time, when I started learning about personal branding, I got all excited about it and was like, oh, I want to have a huge brand. And it's like, I want the exact amount of people that I need to have. However many that is, we're good. It, when Tim Ferriss says, what, like your thousand true fans or something, it's like, that's fine with me. Like, we're good. And it's like, you know, that's shooting a little bit too high and getting real with myself. I was like, I don't want that. And I feel so much better not wanting that anymore. Or when people shoot too low, that's obviously something they need to increase as well, where they're having either self-esteem issues or confidence issues or whatever it is. And it's like, if you can increase that and kind of break that success ceiling, then you're going to be a lot happier as well. So clarity, but then also big one is consistency. So there's a kind of motto that I have in like my businesses where it's like consistency compounds, where it's like investing in an asset that just exponentially grows. So it's much better to do something every day for like five minutes than to do it for hours one day a week, because that consistency every day is going to just pay off in the long run and a lot more. The brain is made to like grow these synaptic pathways on this more kind of daily consistent basis than it is once a week. And you'll get a lot more out of it. So clarity and consistency is like two biggest things that people could do and really make like a, a shift or a pivot. I love it. I love it. Eric, thank you so much for your time today and for the information, both specific to digital marketing, but also your backstory. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciated it. And the uh, questions you were asking were, were awesome. So I hope a lot of people got a lot of value out of it. For sure they did. If you are newer to the world of digital marketing, Eric walked us through a lot. Let's recap on some of those things. So having a digital footprint and directing traffic to it, aka people that might want to buy your product or service, is key. Having a website isn't enough. You must optimize the website so that Google will actually show your site when someone is looking for the best roofer in Florida. Eric did talk through ideal impressions, more than 1% is good, click-through rates, but if you are headed down this road, I recommend you speak with someone that specializes in this space. Even here at Pivot Me, we'd started out by trying to do this internally, but there are some potholes you need to know about. In closing, this is how most business is getting done today. 60 to 70% of the decision to do business with you has been made before your client is on the phone with you. Get in there and influence that decision early. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.